I'm still uh, in the conversation with customers of any size. So I get to understand their needs and I can reflect that and can think about, hey, this guy has a problem that that we couldn't solve until yet. How we can make his life easier, his business life, and out of that, we get ideas. That was Alf Rupert, the founder and CEO of iOS Expert. And I'm EJ Brown, co-host of the Growth Stage podcast and senior content strategist at FastBring. On this podcast, we share stories from global SaaS leaders like ALF that you can use to inspire new growth strategies in your own business. Hey, ALF, thanks for joining me today. Hi. Introduce yourself, introduce uh, iOS Expert, um, so that people know kind of a little bit of a context about what you do. Uh, my name is Alf, Alf Rupert. Um, yeah, I'm named like the guy that everybody knows from the TV shows, shows in the 90s or what is it, the late 80s. <laughs> Thanks God, I'm named earlier <laughs> that name and was not a school kid at that time. <laughs> um, yes, we are at IS Export. What are we doing? We are more or less a business consulting company, as there are a software consulting company that as there are many outside, but we are specialized in in, in Apple users, helping Apple users. This was the original thing that we created, iOS Expert. Uh, and meanwhile, we are more getting, becoming more and more a software company as we are uh, making uh, enhancement for a CRM tool that we are selling. It's Canadian uh, CRM tool. It's quite uh, well known in the, in the app by Apple users. It's named Daylight. And for this Daylight uh, system, we are creating plugins and enhancements and additional services and selling them around the world. Meanwhile, in over more than 120 countries. And you are you are currently calling in from where in the world? So uh, we are based in Bendorf. Nobody knows. It's a small city uh, close to Copeland's. Uh, Copeland's on the, uh, is, is the place where the Rhine and the Mosel River are meeting. And uh, Copeland's is between Frankfurt and Cologne. Okay, so you're in Germany. Yes. Yes. You have been working on this company for a long time. So it looks like 2006. Is that right? Yes, um, I, I have even to 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 look it up <laughs> to give correct <laughs> answers, but around around that time, yes. Your yes. your LinkedIn says April two thousand six. So um, yeah, the the reason I asked that is it's pretty unusual for me to run into to somebody who has been working on one project for that long. So I'm I'm just I'm fascinated because two thousand six is bef- like that's way before iOS was even a thing. The iPhone is two thousand and eight. So so take me back. Like, how did this project start? Like, how did you get started on this? I always love to use the Mac. My very first job, uh, real job, was in a company back then in the 90, end of the 90s. They were creating ERP software for Mac users. Interesting. And this was totally strange because you had to sell it to people. And this was that time as a Mac costume, 10,000 German marks that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, while a PC was around four or 5,000. Yeah. So, uh, and it was very exotic that you are uh, making business on, on Mac machines, not only using them for a creative world, uh, even using them for real business purposes. And I loved that very much. And uh, then there was this big ERP dying, which was short after uh, the, the first uh, e-commerce uh, new economy thing was going down. So in 2000, 2001. Yeah. And even at that, uh, at that time, I had a company uh, trying to establish an e-commerce solution based on, on, a, on the Apple database. And we had to shut down too. 
And then I was deeply searching to get my knowledge out and make something meaningful with all that knowledge that I had with Max and with business things. And this is why I struggled to say when I started my business. I think in 2004 or five, I started, I had a lot of free time because I had just lost my job in, in this big <laughs> ERP uh, uh, going, uh, world was going down in Germany. So I put everything I knew on the internet. It was my first website I created for myself. Interesting. It was, it was a tool called Rapid Weaver, which made open up the internet from the other side for me. So I published everything I knew about business software on the Mac. And out of this, everything started. Because then I searched for a new product to sell and found Daylight and get in contact with the Canadian guys. And I often say uh, it was a really cool thing. I made it out of the internet because I'm that age that I even know the time before the internet. <laughs> and um, it was the internet was really a, a game changer for me because time before it was unthinkable that you're doing business with a Canadian company. Yeah. Getting in touch with them and, and <laughs> starting a, a communication. Yeah. That ends up in a real meeting and, and and then working together. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that like what we're doing right now with me, I'm sitting in the US, you're sitting in Germany, like this just didn't, this would have been an international like long distance phone call at like $3 in a, a minute or something <laughs> paid to some yes. telecom company. Um, yeah. it, that's interesting. So you, you had, you published all of your content on the internet. This is 2004, 2005, right in there. You, yeah. And did you pick up consulting clients or, or was it was it straight to software? It was, I have this niche knowledge about business workflow stuff and ERP systems and based on a Mac. So I wrote everything down I knew. I said, if it, if it ends up that I have a, my own history just safe for me that I can <laughs> take a look up years later. But it turned out that people contacting me and say, oh, you have knowledge there. I never knew that or you're the first one who has all this knowledge in one place. And aside from that, I always try to find uh, a job, get, getting paid for what I'm doing, mm -hmm. <laughs> for this knowledge and for uh, working on a Mac. And on my way searching for an opportunity, I found this CRM software and I was already, always a product guy. So I need something where I fall in love and I can sell it easily. I'm not that guy who's what every uh, what a lot of salespeople tell you. I can sell software the next day, uh, cars or whatever. No, I have to fall in love with the thing I'm doing. And I found something, and this was daylight because uh, it attracted me very much, and I could see the benefit for customers. Mm -hmm. And so it slowly turns. It was first one of my products uh, I recommended then to my consulting uh, clients, and then it was that product that I recommended. And uh, we started growth. You started consulting and then you were to recommend this product and then eventually started building software to, to even make that product better. So you've really gone the full spectrum with this particular product. Yes. It, it started because I, I know the very first piece of software we did for Daylight was uh, the connection for phone systems so that you can push a button and then call out. Or if somebody is calling in, you can see which customer is calling in. And the problem was I have no clue in software development. So I just had this idea and I had even no money to do it. So I found a developer, I made a deal with him and say, I, I will sell it and you will participate if you trust me. And <laughs> we did this together and uh, it was a huge, huge success. Yeah. I remember when that was happening because I was, I was working in a company right around, you know, or, or 2010, around that time when that whole 
like making calls out of your computer tied to a CRM. That was pretty new. I mean, that was after it had already been on the market. But I mean, if you go back to, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, like that, yeah. that was just not a thing that people did. <laughs> like the way that we do it now, we take it for granted now. Yes. Now it's a usual thing, but still not on the, still on the Mac. You have hurdles today because there's on on Windows PCs there is a there is a tapey uh, API, so it means it's standard that the operating system has a phone connection, which the Mac doesn't have. And funny enough, the first iPhone didn't have it too, so you weren't able to <laughs> to utilize yeah. your iPhone from your Mac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, people forget like, and, I, and it's hard to remember. Like, it's even the original iPhone launched with native apps and no app store. Like, and that was that way for several years. Um, so the iPhone as we know it today was not even the iPhone of of two thousand and eight, and the iPhone of two thousand and eight was revolutionary. Yes, very interesting. So, so you find you find this product, Daylight. So at at risk of <laughs> Daylight, not a paid sponsor, right? Like, so, um, but but you love this product. Like, what was it about that product that that really caught your attention and made you think like, this is great. Like I want to work more on this. Yeah. It unified a couple of things. So it is not only, uh, it's not only a address book. It is only, it's a ca integrated calendar and you can linking things together. Uh, even it grabs your email. So that, that was, was annoying. If you see the standard tools on the Mac, even if you on a very low level, you compare it to Outlook and Outlook, you have one application where you have your address book, your calendar and your emails. Even it's worse linked, but it's 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 one application. On the Mac, it's at least three applications. And Daylight does exactly that. It put all these together, and then at project management and at uh, uh, opportunities for for making estimates and, and, and doing sales stuff, and all this is linked up together. And I said you only need one solution. It has changed. I think. As a specialist, I would in, in that in that, that area I would say this was my, maybe attracted me because it was the idea of the nineties and and, and and beginning two thousands that you have one solution that covers everything. Meanwhile, the world has changed, and there are millions of apps and small services, and so even my uh, idea of, of has changed in that way. That I say today, I would say you need a center application, maybe like the digital hub that how Steve Jobs mentioned the iMac. Uh, and then you have attached things around, but you need a, a one center application. And that's the idea how we handle it today with Daylight. We have the Daylight in the center, then we have our enhancements. And a lot of the enhancements are relying on that, that we are connecting different systems. Means they, uh, we have a online booking system called Acuity that we integrated into Daylight with, with one of our plugins. And uh, I like this idea because if you have a clever integration of a couple of things, so it seems to the user that it's one application, but it's there are several applications, then you can easily change to get better stuff. Because our world is so quick, maybe in one year there's a way better solution for uh, offering appointments online, and then we just have to connect this one, and we can stay with the center application daylight. I love that. So, so this is so this is a nice transition into. So, the last time we talked, it's been a couple months. You, we talked just very briefly about some of your just the way you think about business, and I think you're you're starting to get a little bit of it there. So, like, what are what are some of the core like philosophies that you 
that you use to sort of guide your your business making decisions because again 16 you know however long however many years it's been <laughs> that you working on this project um there's a lot of entrepreneurs you know they build something and then they sell it and they move on to the next thing and they never they don't like that that's and there's a whole there's a whole world and that's great like there's a whole you can do that as a career but you, you've chosen to sort of build one thing and stay with it for this long period of time so um what keeps you focused on that kind of thing? And, and what are the the sort of principles that you've used to make business decisions over the years? I always was attracted to, so, so there's one important thing that I, that, that made me an entrepreneur. Uh, I totally don't like all these politics that you to do, have to do in bigger companies. <laughs> so I wanted to have my, created my own environment. I loved all, always to, to, to work in a team. And I think if, if you're feeling so, if you're, Feeling comfortable, work is there's no big difference between work and free time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just, just uh, I like to go to work because uh, it's it's not nothing where I have, to, I have to go there tomorrow or something like that. And it was very important for me to create a, a situation where everyone who's working with me feels the same. So it was always important for me to to uh, take care for uh, um, my employees. And uh, um, and I think I've mentioned it in a former conversation. Maybe I'm I'm a little bit, in this point of view, I'm a little bit more closer to office owners or to to to, to business owners in the in the fifties than in our days. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you mean by that? Because you have you said that a couple of times. What what do you yeah. mean by that? So um, I give you an example. We are we are having our office in the former Coca Cola building, and at the fifties they had. Very close to the office where I sit, they had a swimming pool for their employees. Hmm. Even they thought about, I'm creating something that that they can benefit from, which can give an extra value to them that they feel good and okay, okay, maybe we can take their kids here there to go swimming because there was no swimming pool, no public swimming pool at that time. So that that's that's a thing that I if if somebody. Uh, we recently had a guy here. Uh, he started as a, as a trainee here, and uh, he came from Kazakhstan. And he's a grown up and has to make a trainee thing again because of the German laws, and he has to need a new certificate. So, and then he ended up that he uh, his car crashed, and he's earning not that much money. So we bought him a car. Everybody who's working here should be aware that if he has problems, that we can solve somehow. If it's Sometimes with money, sometimes with hands-on. If we move from one flat to another, and the whole team is there, and that—that's the atmosphere that uh, yeah, that, that's maybe the thing I'm most proud of that I created that atmosphere, that attitude here in the whole company where the team uh, joined it. So there are going to be entrepreneurs out there who are thinking, "Okay, that sounds awesome. How did you do it? What are some of the decisions you made?" Like that's a great example of the car. Um, yeah. What what else have you done over the years that have sort of created that culture? So we we had to compete, and this is even more true today, uh, and harder today that we have to compete for talents. It's for a smaller company like ours. We are, I think, we are with Mima. We are sixteen, seventy people. It's quite hard to be the best, the, the company who pays the, the most, because there are more bigger companies <laughs> that have way more money, and to come trying to compete on the money side. That's a tough thing. But what we did in the very first time, I think we do it now at least 15 years, uh, we go skiing every year with the whole team. 
a whole weekend, for example. And we do some things like that in the summer. Or we have a summer event. We, uh, yeah, we just uh, trying to become somehow. I wouldn't say friends. Friends are maybe a little bit different thing, but it's a kind of work family. My, my American and North American partners often call it us work family because we have also people working a long time for us. I have a couple, at least four people here that they're more or less since the beginning. Let's talk to the to the aspiring entrepreneur for for a minute. So, for people who who are thinking about they they like kind of the way your philosophy, the way you're thinking about things. So build something, stay with it, build a place where people love to work. What suggestions do you have for somebody who'd like to build a company with that kind of culture? There are a couple of things. Maybe first, a quite easy one, trying to be just a nice guy and being fair. <laughs> so not everyone is working for me that I can buy my second Porsche. So <laughs> it's, and I don't drive one. Um, it was just... <laughs> A picture. <laughs> um, at the very beginning, uh, um, can you feel find people that that are willing to uh, make some over hours and and really push hard to become a successful company. But don't forget them if if you take the first hurdles, then let them participate. We we have two the two two guys from the very first time. I gave them shares, and I gave them shares as the as the company starts to become valuable. Mm. So they're even more into it because it's now a part of them is, is, is even their company. Right. So share your success if you want to say it in one sentence. Interesting. What else? Yes. Then trying to make a comfortable environment for everybody that, that you are differ from other companies. So in today's world, while so many people are working remote, company culture is often getting lost. Yeah. So, right. and if you have people which don't care how which kind of flag is on their roof, they're just looking for the. They are sitting in the same same environment. If they're working for company A or if they're working for company B, then you reduce everything to money. Try to avoid it. Try to to do something that is beyond money. That is create a company culture. It's maybe the the next sentence I would say. We have, uh, uh, I, I don't read, read too many books because uh, I know so many people constantly reading books and going to conferences and, and, and in just of thinking what, is, uh, what they should do. Mm -hmm. One thing I've learned from a book was write down your company values. So we really created with a team, we said, hey, what, what should define us? And we found a couple of rules where we say, these are our, our company values. We will be respectful together and we will uh, treat the customers respectful and but we can even want the same from the customer we want our time is valuable we a couple of things but i didn't wrote them down and and, and put them on the on the on the whiteboard uh, we did it together and what what defines us as a company what our thing where we want to get measured that's very helpful yeah, the the values I found that they're they're often like it's an expression of who you are, which is different than goals, right? Which is where you wanna like what you wanna be. Um, that's very interesting that you sort of got together and just described who you were, like who you were already. That that then codified that culture for you. And I use it every time I have job interviews. With, uh, I put it on the table. I read it and think for yourself if you will fit in there. 
if if you can identify yeah. with you with these core values, it, it's a fair chance that you fit into the team. Right. Where where do you go to sort of like to get new ideas or new inspiration? Is it conferences, books, magazines? What, how does that look? I think the most of the inspiration I get out of conversation with customers. I'm still, even as my job changed, so because in the very first beginning, of course, I did everything. So I was the consultant guy, the support guy, and and, and, and the sales guy. Um, meanwhile, I have quite a lot of... Uh, I often say I, I, I'm the person who knows the least of the specific topic here in the company. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a, have a good idea from every department. Uh, but I'm trying to keep in, 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 in direct conversation with customers. So I still do consulting sessions, I st even if it's not that much as my colleagues, and I still do sales stuff that I, I'm, I'm still uh, in the conversation with customers of any size. So I get to understand their needs and I can reflect that and can think about, hey, this guy has a problem yeah, that, 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 we, that we couldn't solve until yet. How we can make his life easier, his business life. And out of that, we get ideas. And I don't love to uh, run around all these trends. I have a funny story. A business uh, friend, he was a big friend uh, of the Sastra conference. Mm, yeah. And so he told me, you, you have to go and have a look there. And there was one in Europe. And I decided, okay, we will go there. And we, we went there with, with, with three people and I went to do this conference and I was shocked because I was thinking I'm running to a time tunnel back in the 2000s. It was originally <laughs> the same bullshit as the internet <laughs> first economy started. They were telling there, I say, I'm on the wrong part of the, in the room. If so, I mean, I could stand there and tell people because I, I already seen what, what these young guys are speaking of. And, right. uh, and not not sitting here and, and hearing again the same bullshit that I heard last time. Everything was about how can we make it look like bigger and sell it and get the, ne the, the next venture money. Nobody had, had, had made one one euro revenue that, but everyone said, "Oh, great! He he got another twenty million venture capital. Is it a success to get venture money? No, a success is if you." build something and sell something and and make really money out of it. Yeah. So our head of product was just at the recent like Saster Europe conference. Is there, do you think there's a danger to go to a place like that and, you know, some good and some bad, but like that you get caught up in that sort of whole venture world where, where people are, they, they talk an awful lot about funding rounds and those kinds of things, but it sounds like you're more, and I know this is true, but I'd love for you to talk about it. You're much more focused on building a company that's that's profitable, and and you could see it like 2006 up to now, still still going. Um, what do you think the danger is of being too focused on those types of venture capital type ideas? I did this mistake. I already did this mistake because in 1998 I founded my my first bigger company, which was the e-commerce stuff, and it was. Just before the, the new economy, two thousand one, everything crashed. Yeah, so yeah, and we we built it up a software, and then we went with our last money to the CBIT, which was a big thing that that time. So, for younger uh, people watching this, this was a big trade show all about computers and software, <laughs> and uh, 
the biggest in the world, and it was taking place. It took place in Hanover. I remember we took our last money, rented a mobile home because we had no cash for having a proper hotel. <laughs> Where they'll say, if we don't find someone giving us money, we will be dead after the after the trade show. We found somebody, a venture guy, who gave us money, and then they forced us to do. You have to do this and that and that. And I was quite young at that age, and I followed their instructions, and we blow it away. I think at that time it was. One, between five and six hundred thousand uh, uh, euros, or one on still German marks. I don't remember. So that's a long time. But it, it was quite a lot of money for us at that time. And and then they they told us if the money is empty, just call us. You get another round. Yeah. Unfortunately, I called them, and it was two thousand one, and they say, "Oh, the money, all the money is gone." <laughs> yeah. And and, and uh, then we had to close the the company. And since that, I promised myself I will not take any money from uh, from venture people that telling me what I have to do. I even don't need a bank. We never needed a bank. Everything we we reached from from here to meanwhile close to one one point five million euros revenue is that we uh, financed ourselves. You're you're truly bootstrapped in the real sense of the word, like from the very beginning. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Alf, what's what's one thing that you hope people will remember after listening to this conversation? Don't, especially if you're an entrepreneur, don't hear the, at this bullshit they are telling you, like, <laughs> <laughs> and in all these books and conferences to make quick money. It's it's more enjoyable to build something long lasting, which not means that I'm not. If somebody would come around, would say I give you. 30 million euros, I would, it would, would, would be reverse the thinking <laughs> to sell it. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. maybe the other side. Don't be, if you choose the way that I choose, uh, which I think that it's the more attractive way than to trying to fast build something up and sell it even before it makes the first uh, euro or dollar of revenue. But on the other hand, if there's a business opportunity at the end of the day, and it's better to sell or to let, let let it go, let it go. So it's a a balance. And you can do all of that while while operating at a profit. Is that is that what you're saying? You're not successful if you. Of course, our world will tell you you are successful if you sold something for twenty millions. What what never made one million revenue, and and you you have twenty millions in your pockets. But I will. I feel more successful. To build something where which which is financing itself and paying out the salaries for my team and make a good living for a couple of families. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Alf. This has been this has been great. Um, if people want to sort of connect with you, how can they do that? Contact me via LinkedIn uh, or um, just email me directly. You can find my all of my contact information on the website. I'm happy to share my experience uh, to every entrepreneur. Maybe LinkedIn can take a little bit of time because uh, I've learned 90% of, of the people. And be careful what you're writing me there because 90% <laughs> are starting to try to sell me something at these kind of, right. <laughs> of mails I don't answer. So maybe maybe say, hey, I, I saw your saw your interview, heard your podcast or something yeah. as, as, the, as the opening. So thanks, Alf. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Nathan.